Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4 with me. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We've talked about the discipline of um, Bible reading and the discipline of prayer. We're talking about them in relationship to ourselves, that we need to be uh, practicing these spiritual disciplines if we're going to be able to help someone else. The primary focus of this class, however, is not spiritual disciplines, but it is uh, discipling, and that is helping someone else along with these spiritual disciplines. So we've already covered uh, Bible reading, Bible study, and how to to do that with with uh, a person with whom you're discipling. We've also talked about prayer, but now we want to look at using Christian books in discipling. So let me just start with a little disclaimer here. Um, if you're not reading the Bible regularly, you shouldn't be reading Christian books. Okay, uh, If you're not reading the Bible regularly, you shouldn't be reading anything. <laughs> uh, as Christians... The, the Word of God is the very source of our life, and it, it is what sustains us. Um, Jesus quoted from Moses when he said that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you're getting all of your spiritual food from sermons only or from, uh, and that's not a bad thing, but, but from, from reading Christian books only, that's probably not a good sign of spiritual health okay we we ought to have a desire for the word and we ought to be in the word ourselves so i'm putting that disclaimer out there now because i don't want you to hear when i encourage you in this class and i will very strongly to read christian books and read them with your discipling partner with whoever whom that may be um i'm not saying do that at the neglect of your own personal bible reading or even your own individual Bible study, because sometimes we pass off uh, personal time with God or, let's say, devotion to God, we pass that off as reading a Christian book when we actually are not hearing directly from God. We're, we're hearing kind of uh, a second tier. Um, it's the difference between perhaps uh, eating organic food and eating processed food, Okay. Um, we ought to be eating organic food in many cases. That is the, the Word of God on its own. But, but at the same time, I'm going to show you here from 2 Timothy 4 that Christian books can be profitable and even non-Christian books can be profitable as well. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that as much. But, but not to discourage you from reading at all, but uh, our primary focus ought to be on the Word of God. All right, so with that, Disclaimer, we can move on to the encouragement for the class today. Let me begin with a word of prayer and ask God's help as we, as we think about these things. Lord, thank you for um, the authors of, of uh, good Christian books, people who are even writing today, and that provide for us good resources by which we can uh, be challenged in our thinking. Sometimes we go over a passage or a book over and over again in the Bible and we, we don't come away with anything different than what we had already thought about it. And so, Lord, we're thankful for people with whom you've allowed the Spirit of God to work in their lives and for them to see things in, in ways we haven't seen and to be able to explain things in ways that we can't explain and uh, to be able to um, show us things 
uh, and teach us more about your word and be better students of it. Lord, help us to gain the value that there is in Christian books and help us to know how to, to do that in conjunction with our desire to see other believers within this church grow. We pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why would we even consider using any other book than the Bible when we're discipling another Christian? I mean, does not the Bible contain in itself all that we need to know for life and godliness? That's what Second Peter 1 says. Well, yes, there are several um, benefits to uh, reading Christian books by Christian authors, and I'm going to suggest uh, a few of those for you today. Let's see if I have uh, these on here. Um, yeah, that's a little bit ahead of where I want to go. So let me just introduce this first with give you four reasons why we should use Christian books in addition to, that's the key phrase, in addition to uh, the study of the Bible. First, it's extremely beneficial for Christians to uh, to talk with others about spiritual things and to think about spiritual things with other people, right? If we just think about it, okay, take the Christian books aside and just say, would it be okay for a person to go to the Word on their own and never discuss it with anyone else? Okay, Would it be okay for someone to go off into the mountains and just live there for the rest of their life and just have the Word of God with them? Uh, they probably wouldn't be very well-rounded spiritually. They probably wouldn't be very mature spiritually because they would never have anyone to challenge their thinking. And so I would argue that it is good to be in a place like you are now, in a, a body of believers with other people who look at the Scriptures as well and make a determination about what that means. And that allows us to, to be challenged in our thinking and allows other people to... Um, it allows us to challenge other people's thinking as well. So I don't think anyone would deny that, that it would be wise for us to be all on our own and have no, no other input about spiritual things from other people. In fact, the Scriptures are clear that we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be uh, speaking the truth to one another in love, Ephesians 4. We need to be singing to one another. And the idea is not just, hey, let's sing some notes. It's the idea of singing truth to one another uh, that that is a requirement of Christians. And um, and so I, I think it's important for us to converse with other people about spiritual things. And so if you think about it, reading a Christian book is like having a conversation with another person. I often think about this when, and this, this might make you think of me very weird, okay? But when I when I study, I often think that I'm conversing with people who have already written these commentaries. Like, I'm asking them questions. I want to see what they have to say because they've studied this very same passage. In fact, before I even look at any commentaries, the first thing I do is I write down questions. Hey, what, what, what does this mean? What, what does this have to do? I, I don't really see how these points connect. Then I talk to the commentators. Okay, not out loud. Okay, then that would be really weird. But, but it's, the nice part is I can talk with people who are both current and long dead. I'm having a spiritual conversation with them effectively by reading them. And so I think it's a wonderful thing to learn from other believers who God has used His Holy Spirit to work in them and to, to show them some, some things. So the second reason why uh, we should use Christian books in addition to the Bible is because it's important for us to understand that we do not stand alone in history. Okay, Christianity did not begin 
1976 when I was born. Okay, Christianity didn't begin in whatever year you were born. It didn't begin when this church was founded. Okay, it's and it will not end when we are dead, will it? It goes on as long as the Lord waits to come. Christianity will go on. And so, yes, the Bible does contain everything that we need for life and godliness, Second Peter 1. But God also has been working in His people for the last 2,000 years, specifically since the time of Christ, teaching them and training them in His Word and helping them to understand it. And now we have this great resource of knowledge that has been built up over the centuries. And for us to say, we're going to just get it for ourselves. And we're going to reject everything that, that other people have learned. Is is I think the very uh, a very good illustration of what pride looks like. Like like we can figure it out on our own. I think we'd be foolish to ignore what other Christian authors have learned from the Scriptures. Uh, thirdly, third reason why we should use Christian books in addition to the Bible is because we have a limited amount of time. Maybe you decide that you want to work with another believer and you want to talk with them about a specific um, area of discipline in your Christian life, like prayer or God's character, but you don't have enough time to just do an entire Bible research of, okay, what does God have to say about prayer? What does God have to say about uh, praising God? Okay, That would be a huge study. Why not? lean on some of these other men and women who have written books on this, who have given their life study to some of those topics and have written books in a helpful way that will reduce the amount of time that you have to to use in order to to study with your friends. God God has given to us, especially in in our country, we have just such a great wealth of resources. You go to other countries and they don't have all the great Christian resources that we do translated into their language or even written by people from, you know, not only do we have lots of great history of English-speaking Christians who have written great books, but also we have uh, a lot, basically a lot of the other things that came from the Reformation and even before that all translated into our language. That doesn't happen in all the other cultures. And so we have this great wealth of, of resources at our disposal and when we take some of these things, I'm going to suggest some of them today, we take the, some of them, it kind of injects into our discipling relationship uh, some more uh, uh, meat okay, that, that we might not otherwise see. And it, it, it really does save us some time. Again, not to get away from studying the Scriptures. Maybe it would be helpful on your own to say, well, this is something I need to study more deeply and to work on that on your own. But why not use uh, some of the work that other people have done. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. And uh, just in case, you know, you're, you're still thinking, okay, Bible only, Bible only, no Christian books ever. Um, here, Notice what Paul asks for from Pastor Timothy here in verse 13. He says, When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Now, the parchments are the old animal skins on which the original writings would have been written or the manuscripts, um, the copies of the original. And so that's probably 
Uh, other translations might say, especially the scrolls. Okay, that's talking about the passage, of the, the the Bible portion, probably the Old Testament, um, that they would have still in their possession. So Paul would have had some kind of a copy of some Old Testament writings, maybe the entire Old Testament, I'm not sure. But what I want you to notice is that he also asks for other books. Okay, and th- those books, I think most scholars agree that this is talking about not biblical books, that is the 39 books of the Old Testament. He's talking about just other books. And if you look through Paul's writings, we don't, uh, we're not going to do this this morning, but if you look through Paul's writings, he's often saying, like in Colossians, he, he's quoting from even secular authors. And he's doing that. Acts 17, he does something very similar. He draws from their culture. How does he do that? Well, he has to be a reader. And um, uh, so I think books are are important, something uh, a good supplement to our regular Bible reading and Bible study. Good supplement. Okay, that's a good way to, to think about it. So how do we read a book? Number one, oh, you know what? Maybe I did have some blanks for you. Sorry about that. Okay, first a tool for talking about spiritual things. Okay, and we think about when we think about reading, we ought to think about them as a tool, um, a, a means by which we can get to to talk about a specific spiritual topic. Second, it helps start a conversation. Um, third, we are proud if we don't think we can learn from other Christians. Fourth, it saves you time. Any questions on that? Okay. All right, so I'm assuming you're with me now that, that we should be using Christian books and uh, in addition to our Bible study. So how do we do this? Number one, read with a pencil. Okay, Say you decide, hey, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to work through a chapter of a book. Uh, let's get together and talk about it. Let's get together and talk about this book. Well, read with a, pe- a pencil. That means mark the book up. Okay, The book's not going to care. If you've got a tablet, okay, use your note taking skills. I don't even know how those things work yet. I'm not big into the electronic reading yet, but um, the best way to, to remember a certain passage or paragraph or maybe something that struck you is to make a little note. If you just read through a chapter and then you get to the time where you meet with your friends, you're going to be searching that whole time for that one. Oh, where was that? Oh, yeah. I remember he said something really good. It, I was going to say something to you about a little check mark on the page would be a huge help or an underline or just say, man, this is really profound. I need to think about this. Or maybe you question something. Okay, this is The other thing you got to keep in mind when you're reading books, when you're reading the Bible, all Scripture is profitable. right? All Scripture is profitable. All Christian books are not profitable. Okay, And all parts of all Christian books are not profitable. Okay, they're, they're, These people are not writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So you're not reading inspired readings when you read some of these Christian books. But uh, you have the Holy Spirit of God within you, and you should be able to determine you know, the good and the bad. You should be able to determine what's, what's biblical and what's not. So when you come across something that you just say, you know what, this, is, this doesn't square with this other passage of Scripture that I'm thinking about and he's not thinking about. Okay, maybe write question mark next to it. That's what I usually do question mark or I ask a question, what about passage, and then I fill in the blank. 
Okay, so read with a pencil. Secondly, read in two different ways. First, read it for yourself. And um, it seems like this thing. I'm I'm a, a little confused this morning here. Read it for yourself, and then read it for the person that you're working with. Okay, look for specific points of conversation, and 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 then yeah, this is where this point comes in. Argue with the author. That is. Um, what you want to do is, ask, when you're reading through a book, ask open-ended questions, okay? Rather than um, asking questions that answer yes or no, does he believe Jesus is God? And you say, well, yeah, he believes Jesus is God. That's not going to get you very far in your thinking. It's not going to help you very much. It's not going to help the other person because then when you come to me, you're going to say, hey, what do you think about this author? Do you think he believes Jesus is God? He'd be like, yeah. Okay, yeah, I agree. And then he's going to be like, yeah. So, what are we going to do with that? Okay, so instead say, why do you think it's important that he believes Jesus is God based on what he's arguing? Okay, that's an open-ended question. It, it, ask other questions like that. How does this idea that we're reading about change the way we think about God? Or how does it change the way we think about prayer? Or what kind of faulty presuppositions does this guy have that's leading him to make this point that doesn't square with our understanding of the Scripture? Okay. Those are the open-ended questions that we need to be asking. Uh, read with two goals in view. Ask good questions. Sorry about that. Read with two goals in view. That is yourself and the other person. Okay, think about how is this going to help me in my own discipling life? Because sometimes what we can do is say, man, this, this Christian book would really be good for that person. And I think when you're discipling somebody, you should think about their needs for sure. That ought to come into play. But when you're doing this, again, there should be some kind of, in some cases, there should be some mutual discipleship going on, okay, that is, or at least mutual encouragement, okay, because technically discipling is someone who's more mature is helping out someone who's less mature, so you can't really have mutual discipleship, but mutual encouragement, yes, and he should be able to say, hey, how does this help you, right, and so when you're reading a book, you shouldn't just read it for other people, man, he, he really needs to do that. You know, he really needs to, to square that area up with his wife. But how does this affect me? And um, so ask both of those questions. Think about it in those two ways. And then this is uh, what I was just talking about. Ask good questions, open-ended questions. Um, and then apply the book. Okay, so how does this apply to us? How does this apply to you? How does this apply to me and our spiritual life? Um, it's not it's not a book review, so don't come to your meeting with your discipling friend and say, so, um, what was the author's main point? What was he trying to get across? How did he come to his conclusion? What were his uh, premises that, that he came about to his thesis? Okay, th- This is not a book review. What you're trying to do is grab nuggets of truth from the book that will help you and your discipling uh, partner in their relationship. It's to apply the book to your life, to the thinking. Okay, so how, now how are we going to do this? And, you know, sometimes, especially when you get into devotional books, a lot of times they have study guides in the back that have questions that will help you in that way. Okay, that'll say, okay, what, what was Jesus saying about this in this passage? Um, what does this mean for us? How should we apply this to our lives? 
Okay, and, and it doesn't ask it that generically. It actually says, okay, he's talking about prayer. Uh, he's saying that we ought to be praying for for all things. So what does the all things include? Now let's think about that in terms of our relationship or in terms of our current life. What does that look like while I'm at work? How can I pray for all things while I'm at work? How can I be, pray without ceasing when I'm um, you know, on the road or whatever the case is? All right. So let's let's try to take a passage and just ask some good questions of it. This is from uh, The Pleasures of God by John Piper, a book I'm going to recommend later. And this is from page 31. And did I write that out? Yeah, that's typed out there for you. All right, it says, so when, the, so when we say that God loves the, His Son, we're not talking about a love that is self-denying, sacrificial, or merciful. We're talking about a love of delight and pleasure. What he means by that? Well, well he, he explains. God is not stooping to pity the undeserving when He loves the Son. That's what He means by self-denying, sacrificial, or merciful. Like, this is a big chore for me to love the Son. God is not stooping to pity the undeserving when He loves the Son. That's how He loves us. It is not how He loves His Son. He is well pleased with His Son. His son, his soul delights in the Son. When He looks at His Son, He enjoys and admires and cherishes the prizes and relishes what He sees. The first great pleasure of God is His pleasure in the Son. Alright, so, say that's part of the, 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 the chapter that we're looking at together. Here's a question that we might ask. How might this idea change the way we think about God the Father and His relationship to His Son? So I'll ask you that. How does, how does this relationship, how does this change how we think about God's relationship with His Son? Or does it change for you? All right, let me start with an open-ended question, or a, a closed question. Have you always considered that God loves His Son because He was pleased with Him? Or did you ever consider that God was, was, uh, was pitying His Son in some way? Okay, so maybe it doesn't change anything for you. All right, what about, how does it change the way God has related to you? Okay, the fact that God would do so much for His Son, we can understand, right? He's always been pleased with His Son. But what about the self-pitying, or, or not the self-pitying, but the, the pity that He's shown to us, right? In, in one sense, we can say, well, the Son, He kind of deserves it. He kind of deserves God to love Him that way. Well, for us, you know, we're undeserving. So does that change the way that we think of God's love for us? Okay. These are open-ended questions that are not being answered, so maybe um, maybe you'll be better at it than I am. Okay. How would this idea serve to shatter a man-centered view of the universe? Okay. We tend to think of, in our society, in our, I think in our wicked hearts, we tend to think of the universe kind of revolving around us. I think we're all born this way. We're all born to think that we are at the center of the universe and everything revolves around us. So God's up there. He's, he's doing stuff for us so that we can, you know, be pleased. And whenever something goes wrong, it's because, you know, it, it affects us. How it affects us is the most important thing. 
But I think when we come to be saved, and when I think sometimes it takes time after our salvation to come to a place of maturity, we start to recognize that God is at the center of the universe. We move from the wrong idea prior to Galileo that said the earth was at the center of the solar system and the sun is revolved around the earth. And that's why we have the sunrise and the sunset. He said, no, that's not how it's working. It's the other way around. The sun is at the center. And I think that's what happens in, in our lives that we tend to think, hey, God, you exist for me. Right? And when we see something like this, you know, a passage in a book that states something so clearly that, that maybe we hadn't thought before, that God is pleased with the Son and takes great delight in Him, and Christ has never done anything to, to displease Him, and yet for us, God takes delight in us as His children. And we have, right? And so you can see there's lots of great devotional and uh, practical value from just reading books. And that's just one chapter in, in that great book. All right, so choosing a book. How do we choose a book? Let's say, um, um, let's see where we're at here. Yeah, here's a couple extra notes for you. These are free. Keep a consistent schedule and make summary notes. And I, I would encourage you here in the, the second to last one, keep a consistent schedule to have a termination. That is, don't say, let's just do this for as long as it takes us to get through the book. Let's plan for how, how long it's going to take. So let's say we want to do a chapter at a time in The Pleasures of God, and it's ten chapters. Now, these are bigger chapters, obviously. see a bigger book here. Ten chapters. Let's meet ten times. We'll study. We'll, we'll read through the chapter and just talk about what we read and see how we can apply it to our lives. What that does for you and for the other person is it says, hey, we're not in a an everlasting relationship that I can't get out of, and I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to make them feel bad, and you know, it ten is manageable, or whatever, however many chapters you come across in the book that you're studying. So, I would say do that, and then make a schedule. Say, hey, we're going to meet every Saturday morning at nine o'clock, and just keep that schedule. And obviously, if something comes up, make sure you have a, a backup plan, and then perhaps. Uh, a, a final one is to make summary notes. Okay, how to how to choose a book? There are essentially two bu- kinds of books that you can read with a disciple. Okay, not a disciple of yourself, but a disciple of Christ that you're helping along to be a better doctrinal or devotional. Doctrinal or devotional. Okay, doctrinal books will deal most directly with Christian teaching. They're more uh, in a teaching kind of style. They're systematic. Um, They're trying to teach you truths of the Christian faith. So if you picked up a copy of Dr. McCune's Systematic Theology, you would be picking up a doctrinal book. Okay, That's going to be heavy wading through those kinds of books. Not unimportant, not unbeneficial. Definitely helpful type of study, but that's going to be a lot deeper than a devotional book. A devotional book will seek to take the truth that we already know and apply it forcefully to us. So there's a book that I read not too long ago called Resisting Gossip. Okay, we all agree we need to resist gossip, but he's going to say it in a way that shows us that we need to do it and how to do it and what kinds of things we need to... So 
He's, he's trying to say it in a provocative way, teaching us things we already know, and then helping to push it into application. So let's think about this. There are books, by the way, whatever book you're going to come across is going to be on a continuum uh, Okay, between one of these two poles, we could say. Doctrinal and devotional. So if we just thought about this like a continuum, this one is completely doctrinal. There's no devotion in it at all. It just tells you the truth of Scripture. It doesn't tell you how to apply it to your life. This one would be, there's not really much truth from Scripture. It just tells you how to take what you already know and and apply it. Okay, so if that's the continuum, whatever book that you read whatever Christian book you read is going to be on here somewhere, right? It's going to be more doctrinal, more. It could be right in the middle. Don't think of these as opposing, like mutually exclusive. They're they're opposing each other. But think of them as kind of working together. Where do you think the Bible falls on this line? Doctrinal or devotional? Okay. Lots of doctrine in the Scripture, right? Ephesians 1 to 3. Talks about our position in Christ, Romans 1 to 11. Talks about what we were before we came to Christ. I would say it's more right here. Because the Bible has application for how we can take it and put it into our lives. It doesn't just say, here's the truth, it's out there, it's abstract. No, it's concrete, and we can use it to apply it to our lives. And so there's devotional value in the Bible. Read the Psalms. Right? There certainly is a lot of truth in the Psalms that we can gain. Read the Proverbs. Right? They're going to be more on this side, aren't they? Even the Gospels. Uh, all the Epistles. I, I mentioned Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 is over on this side, the doctrinal side. And Ephesians 4 to 6 tell us how to live it. Right? This is what it look, should look like in your work relationships. This is what it should look like in your family relationships. This is what it should look like in the church. This is what it should look like in your prayer life. This is more devotional, right? So you have both. Romans 1 to 11. This is, it seems to be Paul's pattern. He sets up the doctrinal portion. He gives very few commands. And then he turns the corner here in Romans 12 to 16. In Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God is the doctrinal part. That you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That sounds pretty practical. Devotional applicational, right? And the rest of it is all commands, basically. I mean, he, he goes back and pulls from here. But it's, it's both. So, so just recognize that when you come to a book that you're often going to have kind of uh, a little bit of both. Sometimes you're going to have, when you come to a Christian book, you're going to have something that's got some terrible doctrine in it. Okay? And as a result, it's going to result in some bad practical applications. Okay, so you just need to you need to read with discernment. Uh, read with discernment because um, you're not reading a perfect. Uh, you're not you're not reading a perfect book when you read a Christian book. Okay. So recognize that. Secondly, uh, the book that you choose ought to speak to a specific need. So if you're working with, let's say you're an older man and you're working with a single young man, okay, maybe in high school or college, 
Eric with him, and, and you get a book on single parenting for moms. Okay. There might be some practical value in some of that, maybe knowing some of the struggles that single moms are going through. But that's not going to speak to his specific need. So help him with something that will speak to his need. Okay. Um, but uh, at the same time, recognize that he may have some specific things that he wants to talk about. Maybe his hot-button topic is music. But you recognize that there's something deeper than music that is at stake. Right, that he needs to have a desire for God, that he's missing that, and he needs to work on that main thing, and the music it'll come around, okay, or you know whatever the hot button topic of the the day is. Uh, so so use some some wisdom, but do one that that speaks to a specific need. Be careful not to choose books based solely on the title. Uh, if you're a reader, it'd be good to read a book with him or her that you've already read, if you're not a reader, don't pick a book based on its title alone. Okay, I would say instead of picking a book based on its title, pick it on its author. So do you know some good authors, some good Christian authors that give solid biblical instruction? Well, pick from those first, especially early as you, you start to read more, you'll start to find your, your circle of influence of people with whom you're speaking authors. Okay, it'll start to expand as you start to learn more authors. But, but pick authors that you know are going to be helpful rather than using uh, a title. You know, so something that says uh, 10 ways to be sure that you are pleasing to God. That sounds really exciting title, like a really exciting title. Okay, But what if it's written by Joel Olstein or somebody like that? You know, I'm just using an extreme example. Uh, instead, pick something by that... The title might sound a little bit chunky, or not chunky, but choppy. It's not, it's not very helpful. It doesn't really appeal to me at all. Okay, but the author is one who is grounded in the Scriptures. He knows how to take and apply truths to, the, to, to life. And um, start with authors and then move from there. Uh, I'd also suggest that, that maybe it would be good to read something other than books. For example, you might want to read a confession of faith or maybe our statement of faith for the church or our church covenant. Like, let's just read through this and let's see what kind of things that, that we, can, we can glean from here. Okay, again, the, if you think about it in terms of the, the continuum that we had up there, the statement of faith would be the doctrinal and the church covenant is more the devotional. It is, what does it look like in life? So let me just... Uh, uh, leave you with some book recommendations and then how to get started reading a book with somebody. Okay, first, uh, this is uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, old cover, okay, but excellent book. And uh, this is written by Mark Dever, who's the pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. It's about what it means for us to live our lives together as Christians within a body of Christians, and it contains nine characteristics that should be present in any church if we're going to be honoring to God, if we're going to be a healthy church. And this would be a wonderful book to just uh, to take with another Christian and say, hey, let's read through this one chapter at a time, one mark at a time, and find out how we can be better equipped to be serving here in the church. Okay? 
Secondly, uh, the book that I've been recommending here on prayer, A Call to Spiritual Reformation by D.A. Carson. This book is the best book I've read on prayer. There are are other good ones. Uh, J.I. Packer has a little tiny book called uh, Prayer and the Sovereignty of God. It's excellent. But the first chapter in here and the middle chapter in here on Prayer and the Sovereignty of God are worth the price of the entire book. Okay, so sell your ice skates. Okay, sell your baseball glove, your cards, whatever you need to do. Get this book. In fact, I'm recommending this book. If you see in your bulletin or out on the table there, we're going to start. I'm going to start recommending books for you just to help you with this kind of thing, called uh, Book of the Month. And for this month, we're making this book available to you. So you sign up if you want to get one, and I'll order one for you. Uh, you're welcome to find it. If you can find it cheaper than $10, and I'm suggesting I can get it for, um, you can do that. Okay, we're not we're not doing a big Bible study as a church. This is just something that you can you can read on your own, or you can read with somebody else. And it's not something you have to read in a month either. You don't have to do a report at the end. I'm not going to ask you. I might ask you about it, but if you if you bought one, but um, something maybe you just want to add to your library, and when you're ready, you can read it. But uh, this is an excellent book on prayer, and it will help you immensely to think about prayer rightly. He just goes through the prayers of Paul and says, okay, what does the Bible say about the prayers of Paul? And then he takes it and applies it because it's kind of right in the middle of the, the continuum. Thirdly, ten questions to, to diagnose spiritual health by uh, Don Whitney. And this book is excellent. I just got this this week and read it this week. And I found it to be very helpful. This is helpful for you as a mature Christian or anybody who's just becoming a Christian or someone maybe you're not sure is a Christian or someone you know is not a Christian. This is an excellent book for that. Just to read with them. Hey, would you like to read through a book with me? Diagnose our spiritual health? And it just asks questions like, um, do you hunger for the Word? Do you love? like Christ called you to love? Um, Are you more sensitive to God's presence? Do you have a growing concern for the spiritual and temporal needs of others? Do you delight in the church? It goes on. uh, Ten ten questions that will diagnose your spiritual health. Highly recommend this book. Um, And with that book, I did find a few things I disagreed with. I'll say this about every book again. Okay, you got to you got to read with the grain of salt. Okay, not everybody understands the scriptures um, properly, and frankly, we we don't understand the scriptures properly. But w- what you need to recognize is that uh, you got to take the good with the bad. Okay, there's there's going to be some. It's just like when you listen to preaching. Okay, you're not going to agree with every single thing, but you should agree with a lot if you're listening to the right kind of preachers. And you should be able to learn whenever the scriptures are open, and that book will help you uh, do that and help the person that you're working with. Fourthly, the pleasures of God. This is an old cover, old book, but it has been reprinted, and there's much more beautiful cover on it now. But it's not the cover that you're buying it for. It's uh, called The Pleasures of God, Meditations on God's Delight in Being God. Uh, the idea is that that um, it goes 
past the false idea that we humans are the center of God's universe. It's God who's at the center, and this book helps us to see that. That's what we were talking. This is the passage we read from earlier. You know, um, God delights in in uh, bringing glory to Himself and using us to magnify His names and b- magnify His name. And so uh, we will be encouraged by this book. Young Christians will be challenged by some ideas that. Again, I think everybody, when they come to be a Christian, are are still thinking that they are the center of the universe. You know, that God's saving me from hell, but He's doing it for me. It's about me. The cross is about me. You know, and yes, there is a sense in which that's true, but really it's ultimately about God. God and His glory. And then, spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. I think there's a new cover on this one as well, Don Whitney. Uh, This is one that I leaned on heavily for our class on spiritual disciplines. And he just walks through Bible intake, prayer, um, you know, uh, worship, evangelism, journaling, learning, uh, discipling. And so I'd, I'd uh, highly recommend that one as well. Okay, that's Don Whitney, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. All right, any questions on those? Wrap it up here quickly. Okay, how to get started reading a book with somebody. Be brave and look for opportunities. Discipling is not for extroverts only. You know, the people that just love to be in crowds and the people that uh, we had a group from inner city that would go down on tax day to downtown Detroit and watch people deliver their their uh, their taxes in the mail. And it was just a huge event. They'd grill out and stuff. It was like a tailgating party. Just they, some people just get a, a real charge from being around people. And maybe that's not you. And you think, well, no, I'd rather just be curled up on a couch and reading a book. And so uh, discipling is not for me. I just leave that to the extroverts. But I would suggest that you look for opportunities and you'd be surprised at how you could be uh, uh, you could be a help in someone else's life, even if you are not that way by by nature. So proactively look for opportunities, and then start by praying through the directory. You know, uh, we have a directory of the members of our church, and you could simply just pray through there. Okay, God, is there someone in here that I could help? There's someone in here that I could develop a, a, a closer relationship with and then look around and look for opportunities and just ask them. Say, hey, would you like to read a book with me? And we'll just read it a couple times. You know, we'll read, read through the, the whole thing and we'll just meet one time on each chapter. Uh, secondly, be brave and be willing to make the suggestion. So, don't don't fear rejection. You know, we, we hate rejection as humans. And so, don't fear that they're going to reject you. If they do, fine. You know, at least you, at least you know. But, but invite them to read a book, or meet regularly on purpose. Maybe, uh, you know, back to the Bible study thing. Maybe it's just a book of the Bible. But uh, again, lots of benefits to doing a Christian book as well. This is a great way to develop friendships. By the way, you know, as you're working with other people, you just talk about them, about things they. They don't normally talk to you about. You don't normally talk to them about. And and it's just a good thing to to be in the habit of doing, of, of 
um, cultivating those kinds of relationships. Maybe you don't, you're not settled on a book, so ask their suggestion. You know, is there something that would be helpful for you to read through? Again, thinking about their needs, but at the same time, take the initiative. Be the leader, and say, hey, listen, I, I think we need to go through this book by Packer or trusting God or something like that. Um, maybe again, believer, young believers might have a certain book that they want to read, but it probably not the most practical for them or the most beneficial and you may have something that you think could help them better. And then finally, remember how reading Christian books has benefited you. Okay, so if you read Christian books and you found be really charged, like, man, now I'm really charged to serve God. I'm really more concerned about missions. I'm really more concerned about praying accurately or taking more time to read the Scriptures. If that's helped you, why wouldn't you want that to help someone else, Right? So why not, why not uh, read through a book with them together? Don't be like a person who hoards good things without sharing them with others. And what a great way to encourage one another as we just uh, read through Christian books. There are lots of good resources out there. I'm going to try to help you in that way for your own spiritual well-being and for the well-being of those with whom you're trying to, to help. Okay, and the, one of the ways, again, is by this book of the month. I'm just going to recommend a book. And some of them will be more on the doctrinal side. Some will be more on the devotional side. Some will be in the middle. But I think all of them will give some benefit to your own spiritual life and to the life of those you're trying to help. All right, any questions, comments? All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for how you've spoken to believers throughout the ages, and you still are. And you speak to people who just have a real clear way of writing and and explaining truths that we have in our mind sometimes, but we can't formulate them onto paper. And then we see them in a book, and we think, wow, that's exactly what I was thinking. And um, Lord, we're thankful for how you have used uh, your people and use your Holy Spirit to voice the truth of your word in a way that's helpful for us. And so I pray that you would uh, direct us to good books and direct us to good relationships. Lord, the ultimate goal is that we would know Christ better, that we would make every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So we pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen.